you have a Bible, you can open to Luke's Gospel. We'll look at chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. The text is also printed there on the next page of the bulletin. Uh, we are taking some time uh, during this Advent season, as we began last week, uh, to look at common Christmas traditions. Uh, Traditions that are common uh, to lots of people in our culture, not just Christians, but really everybody, uh, uh, observes traditions like trees, you know, Christmas trees, singing Christmas carols. You have particular music playing uh, on the radio all the time now. Uh, uh, Christmas gifts, the exchange of gifts and Christmas lights. So those are the things that we're looking at uh, this season. Each of those are actually quite significant themes that you can trace through uh, throughout the scriptures from beginning to end. So singing, what we'll talk about uh, today, Christmas carols, singing, is a theme that appears with a rather high frequency, if you will. <laughs> okay, Tim, didn't even get it. Uh, <laughs> um, it seems like songs are found on almost every page of the Bible, right? So this, uh, this would seem to indicate that God likes songs, he likes singing, he likes music. He's a musical God in some sense. So God intends for singing to mean something. He intends for us to sing and for it to mean something, to communicate something about who he is and about how we relate to him. Uh, Especially how we relate to him as the triune God. I I suppose one uh, might choose to think of the Trinity like merely some broken mathematical equation uh, that's stuck in abstraction. But clearly God has made himself known as the triune God, as a musical God. Three in one, whose being is perfect eternal harmony, and he has invited us to sing with him and with the choirs of heaven. So that's what we'll talk about this morning from this gospel reading. Let me pray first, then we'll read the scripture. Father, you've made yourself known in the word of your son. We pray that you would help us to participate in the life of the beloved by faith as we consider your word now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had, seen, they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, talking about singing. Singing is um, 
fairly simply, speech uh, made beautiful. Uh, singing is, you know, songs are words adorned, words glorified, right? So God's people are called to sing with, you know, to, to speak words in beautiful ways, communicate words that have beautiful meaning in ways that are commensurate with that meaning, right? So God's people are called to sing. <clears throat> Lots of places in the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 100, serve Yahweh with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Psalm 105, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. Throughout the scriptures, there are uh, people singing. Songs sung in response to who God is, to what he has said, to the things that he has done. So there are the songs of Moses and Miriam after the Exodus. You find that in Exodus 15. Uh, the song of Deborah and Barak after God subdued their enemies, the enemies of the people of Israel in Judges chapter 5. Hannah's song of thanksgiving and dedication of, uh, his, of, of her son Samuel <clears throat> in 1 Samuel 2. The book of Psalms, right? 150 songs right there. Uh, the song of songs celebrating love. The New Testament Psalms in Luke's Gospel uh, here, uh, songs that Mary and Zechariah and Simeon and his angels sing. Uh, you've got snippets of early church hymns in Philippians chapter 2 and Colossians chapter 1. And then in Revelation uh, throughout, you've got the songs of saints and angels in heaven. So the whole Bible is full of songs. The whole Bible opens with a song, the song of creation. Genesis 1 has a very carefully composed structure it has artistic patterns. There are repeated refrains. Uh, one might say atmospheric themes. You know, the, the scriptures begin with a song. The world is sung forth into being. This isn't just a point of interest or mere curiosity. We should pay attention to the tremendous fact that God's revelation is so often lyrical and musical, even from the very beginning. When God speaks to Job out of the whirlwind about the dawn of time, he says that the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. This language that's used uh, in Job earlier, uh, used of the heavenly court, the council of angels that are before the face of God. The morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So one can only imagine uh, what it was like to borrow language uh, from Luke's gospel here and apply it to the creation a multitude of the heavenly host praising God as he spoke light into existence. As he rolled out the earth and flung out the sun, moon, and stars and brought forth all the plants and animals and people by his word going forth from him and by his hovering spirit. <clears throat> so Genesis 1, as we have it in the scriptures, is an echo of that heavenly song about creation. The, the angels sang at the creation, and here in our passage at the birth of Jesus, they sang at the new creation. So we sing, angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight over all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story now proclaim Messiah's birth. So when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came into the world, when God's word went forth and his hovering spirit overshadowed Mary, there was a new creation right there in the middle of the old, broken, corrupt creation. God created a new, the new man, the man of love and righteousness to make right what was wrong with our old humanity. Because of him, 
there will be a new heavens and a new earth filled with people made new who are born again of the Holy Spirit, made to live forever in resurrection glory with Jesus in God's presence. So, hark the herald angels sing. Uh, it's my personal favorite. Uh, Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. The angels sing his praises as he is the firstborn of the new creation, and we've all been invited to join them in their song. So there was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then later in our reading, the shepherds returned from seeing this newborn king glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So the shepherds joining, are joining the angels' song. They're glorifying and praising God. We don't know exactly what uh, angels are like. Apparently, you know, they're impressive heavenly beings who probably have some sort of manual for interacting with humans uh, where the rules for engagement clearly state upon first contact with humans, reassure them, uh, tell them not to be afraid or else they will probably pass out. (laughs) That's what happens a lot in the scriptures. So uh, we don't know much about angels, about what it's like to be in their presence. We do know shepherds. They're the nobodies. They're the unimportant ones. They're, they're unimpressive, probably a bit smelly. They're the poor, the unlikely, the unnamed ones. They're just the shepherds. Right. So eminently dismissible. That's basically their job description. Society can do without them, given the night shift outside of town, watching sheep. God didn't send the mighty angels to find you know, the Jerusalem chamber choir. The very important people, the best, most impressive singers in the country to sing Christ's praises. God found the shepherds. God honored the shepherds. God embraced and enfolded the shepherds. He brought them into what he's doing. He shared his own excitement about Jesus with the shepherds. And the sight of Jesus called forth the angelic song from their hearts and lips. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Say what may the tidings be which inspire your heavenly song. So when the shepherds sang, it was a little picture of heaven. When the shepherds sang, it was a little picture of heaven. And you are invited to join the same choir that they were invited to join. So many of our Christmas carols, some of our most beautiful songs are variations on the angels' song and calls for us to join them came upon the midnight clear. For lo, the days are hastening on by prophet bards foretold. When, the, when with the ever-circling years comes round the age of gold, when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling, and the whole world give back the song, which now the angels sing. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, Join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host. Proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. So we're called to join heaven in song. Because song is a symbol of joining in the heavenly, beautiful unity of heart and soul and mind. Right, so Jonathan Edwards said a long time ago, he said, the best, the most beautiful, the most perfect way that we have of expressing 
a sweet concord of mind to each other is by music. When I would form in my mind an idea of a society in the highest degree happy, I think of them expressing their love, their joy, and the inward concord and harmony and spiritual beauty of their souls by sweetly singing to each other. So we don't sing just because it sounds nice. We sing because the harmony of music reflects the harmony of divine love. That's why singing actually sounds nice, is because it reflects the harmony of divine love. The apostles said that the church should be characterized by singing. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, Be filled with the Spirit, all of you speaking in the plural, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So those who are filled with the Spirit of God's love sing. We sing from our hearts, not just from our diaphragms, as the choir leader teaches us, from our hearts. We sing with our lives in community with each other, not just with our voices as part of the choir. Right, so Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you, plural again, richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So our singing is part of our teaching ministry. It's part of our proclamation of the gospel. We help each other to grow in wisdom as we sing to God and to each other. We help each other to grow in our relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ as we sing. We don't just sing about any old subject. You know, this time of year you hear um, lots of songs about snow on the radio when we're out shopping. Lots of songs about snow. We sing about the wondrous works of God in Christ. We sing to God. We sing to one another. We sing to our own souls. We sing to the world the same thing that the angels announced that night. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the musical God has given us the gift of singing as a way of participating in his own eternal delight. He's given us this gift as a way of, as a means of glorifying the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a means of testifying to the transcendence of God and to his salvation. As a way of responding to the gospel and evoking a, a holistic response of awe and wonder in our hearts and our minds and our souls. He's given us singing as a way to give expression to our hearts as they resound with the gospel, as a way of encouraging and upholding each other in ways that are apparently deeper and more profound than merely speaking. Life together as God's community is meant to be filled with song because God's own life is filled with song and it has been for all eternity. So Michael Reeves, who wrote a great book on the Trinity, uh, Delighting in the Trinity, which many of you have read, <clears throat> says that to hear a tuneful harmony can be one of the most intoxicatingly beautiful experiences, and no wonder. As in heaven, so on earth. The Father, Son, and Spirit have always been in delicious harmony, and thus they create a world where harmonies Distinct beings, persons, or notes working in unity 
are good, mirroring the very being of the triune God. So the triune God sang the world into being. The triune God, as Sarah read in our Old Testament reading, exults over you with loud singing. And the triune God has caught you up into his glorious song, into the the song of heaven. Even though you are uh, surely much more like the shepherds outside Bethlehem than you are like the Jerusalem chamber choir, right? Because of the grace of God who came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ at Christmas to bring you eternal life, you are invited to join the saints and angels' song now and forever. So from good Christian men rejoice. Now ye hear of endless bliss. Jesus Christ was born for this. He hath opened heaven's door and man is blessed evermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. Now ye need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all to gain his everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. So come to church and sing together, right? Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Maybe you feel like you can't sing very well. That's okay. Uh, You can probably shout just fine with loud songs of joy as the Holy Spirit fills your heart to do that. Uh, John Frame says that song is a way of doing many different things, praying, teaching, blessing, fellowshipping, etc. So sing. Sing loudly enough for others to hear, not to impress them with your voice. That can be a temptation. That's not why we're singing. That's not why we sing loudly. Allow others to hear in order that they may be encouraged. Allow others to sing to you and listen to them singing around you in order for them to bless you through the songs of the gospel. Jesus Christ himself, the perfect human being, the beloved Son of God, sings in the company of his church. Right. So the last thing he did at the, at the Last Supper, we find it in Matthew and in Mark, in their Gospels, the last thing Jesus did at the Last Supper was sing together with his disciples before going out into the night. And on the cross, he cried out from Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for Jesus to quote from Psalms, when Jesus hears Psalms, it's always sung. Throughout his life on earth, Psalms are always sung. They're not just spoken. Psalms are for singing, so for Jesus to cry out Psalm 22, there's a song going on there. Uh, On the cross, he sang his solo. It was his great solo, owning the forsakenness of sinners in order to spare us from that forsakenness. Singing that cry of dereliction so that we would never have to sing that cry of dereliction. So that he could create a heavenly choir that wasn't just made of angels anymore. An eternal choir of his brothers and his sisters, those who are forgiven and redeemed. So it says in Hebrews chapter 2 about Jesus, he's not ashamed to call us brothers, brothers and sisters, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Jesus is the true worshiper. He is our chief liturgist. He is our song leader, our choir leader. And we're called to join him in telling God's name 
and telling God's wondrous works to our brothers and sisters, just as he does. So do that. Learn to play musical instruments so that you can praise the Lord. Plenty of psalms talk about praising the Lord with musical instruments. Yes, that is a lifelong pursuit. It takes a long time to learn how to play instruments. Uh, Did you have something better to do? Learn old songs. Berta can teach them to you. Learn new songs. Write new songs. Pay attention to the words. The music can be more or less helpful. The words are crucial. If there are aspects of this congregation's singing that you don't connect with, uh, you don't like, that don't resonate, uh, consider that an opportunity to love and to sing with brothers and sisters when it's not entirely instinctive to do that. Consider an opportunity to question your own expectations and demands. What do you need to get from this music? Consider it an opportunity to exalt the love of Christ in the gospel and make more of him together than of our own musical preferences. Because remember, singing is about more than just the songs. It's about the divine harmony of love. It's about our relationships with God and with each other, relationships which are made new in Jesus He is the king who's worthy of all praise, worthy of our songs. So sing because he is the Savior, Christ the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, your eternal life is the true harmony of love. Thank you for exulting over us with loud singing. Teach us what that means. Thank you for welcoming us into your heavenly choir. Teach us what that means. Set us free from all our self-consciousness as we sing, our self-consciousness as we love each other, by fixing our hearts and our attention on your beloved Son. Help us to sing your wondrous works to glorify the word of Christ in our spirit-filled songs. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare to come to the table, let's stand and confess our faith together using Colossians chapter 1.